I was going to say, I think the kids want to go with Pastor Kevin, although I got to spend time with them last week, and they are awesome and hilarious, and we had a wonderful, wonderful time together. Um, So I'm a little bit jealous because they play fun games, and you guys just kind of stare at me. But you have beautiful faces, so I guess I'll settle for being stared at instead. So good morning, K-First. Uh, If you don't know who I am, I'm Pastor Carissa, and I am the next-gen pastor here at K-First. And I'm going to talk a little bit more in just a few seconds about what that title means. Um, But today, I'm going to continue our series, Questions Jesus Asked. And we're going to find ourselves in Luke 8, um, the latter half of Luke 8, talking about the question, who touched me? But before I dive in, and we get into really dissect that scripture together, I wanted to give you both a uh, professional update and a personal update. So like I said, I'm overseeing the next gen here, which means I am over nursery, kids first, and real, um, which is our youth ministry here that meets on Wednesday nights. And it's been exciting, and it's been so fun. Um, A lot of you, if you've been around here for a very long time, You've seen me grow up in this church, Um, and if you know anything about me, um, or if there's anything I want you to know about me, is that my heart has always been turned towards the next generation. I really believe in them, and I believe in their parents, and so it's super exciting to now be overseeing all of these areas and planning for the families, um, and just what it would look like if they have a baby, and then they let them grow up here, and what we can do in their lives, and the impact that our community can have on them and their families. Um, And I am going to do a shameless plug to join a team because if I'm ever given a mic, I'm going to do a shameless plug. Um, And while I am particularly drawn to the next gen team, I do think it's one of the best places to serve. We really do have lots of opportunities for you to serve here at K-First. And so maybe you're like, yeah, I'm not really sure about young kids or, even middle school kids, like I just don't think serving in kids is for me. We do have other uh, areas for you to serve. So if you want to um, get connected here at K-First, serving on the team is really the best way. So there's Next Gen, there's prayer team, there's Mr. Bob's security team, there's worship and tech, uh, there's first impressions. I think that's all of them that we have. But really, if you're sitting and you're wondering, how can I get to know more people or how can I connect better with people? Join a team, because once you join a team, you're gonna be able to meet not only the leaders who run the team, but the people that you serve alongside, and then also you're gonna get better connected with those who you are serving. So if you're looking for connection, please take a minute, scan the QR code in front of you, join a team, and maybe you're like, I don't know if I could join this team. It kind of sounds interesting. I guarantee you, if you fill out the form, that you're going to have a meeting with the leader of that group or that, um, that team. And if I can tell you anything, is I know that as a team leader myself, I love grabbing coffee or providing coffee, sitting down with you, hearing your story, and helping you find your fit at where to serve here at K-First. So if that sounds compelling at all, please scan the QR code, fill out a form, and we'll help you find your fit serving here 
at K first. Again, next gen team is probably the best though, so just, just throwing that out there. Last, last shameless plug uh, for the next gen team. And then the personal life update is last time I was up here preaching, believe it or not, I was like eight months pregnant, maybe eight and a half months pregnant, so I was big pregnant. And uh, my daughter, Juniper Ann, is now in the world, and she is nine months old, and that is a picture of her, and she's just the cutest. I'm obsessed <laughs> with her, rightly so, right? Maybe, maybe it's just, you know, my mom eyes looking at her, but being her parent has been a joy. My husband and Noah and I feel so incredibly blessed to be her mom. As she's turned nine months, now her personality is blooming. Uh, she is a little ham. She loves to laugh. Uh, if you like laugh in front of her, oftentimes she ends up laughing back and it's hilarious because she doesn't know, like she's nine months, she doesn't know what she's laughing at. She just knows that life's a party and she's ready for it all. So that's kind of my big personal update. And then the professional update is just, you know, next gen here and Juniper and that's been my life for the last nine months. And it has gone so quickly can't believe that she's about to be a year old. But as much as I want to stand up here and talk all day about my daughter and all of the cute things she's doing, that's not why I'm standing up here this morning. So let's dive into the book of Luke together. But first, let's pray. God, I thank you for this time that we can gather as a community to focus our hearts and our minds on you. Lord, help us for the next few minutes to quiet our minds, to put aside the stressors of the week of the past and the week to come and shift our attention solely to you. May you speak to our hearts today. May the words I speak bring comfort to those who need and may they challenge us to walk out of here looking more like you and your son, Jesus, through the help of your Holy Spirit, God. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So today we're going to look at the question, who touched me, that Jesus asked. And something that I love about scripture is it's the purpose is to approach it and let it come alive. And I really truly believe that as you begin to approach scripture with this mindset of, Lord, allow this to speak to me, allow this to tell me something about you, it truly does that. Um, and something that I've been challenged in my own personal time with the Lord to do is approach scripture with the mindset of God, reveal something to me about your character. So comfort me with something I know to be true about you. And then the second thing is, Lord, help challenge me and help me to challenge myself to become more like you. And so today, after our time together, that's what I'm hoping you will get out of this. I hope that you will receive a comfort about the character of God and a personal challenge to walk out the rest of your week actively pursuing becoming more like Jesus every day, which I believe is the purpose in which why we call ourselves Christians, is to follow in the way of Jesus, working each day 
to become more like him and reflect his love to the world around us. So I'm going to read our passage to you all today. I love reading the whole story before we kind of dive in and dissect it. But feel free to follow along in your Bibles or on version, or if you want to, just take a second, get kind of comfortable, relax your shoulders, take a deep breath, and just listen. You can close your eyes and you can imagine the passage as I read it out loud to you. Again, that passage is going to be Luke 8, 40 through 48. Now when Jesus returned, a crowd welcomed him, for they were all expecting him. Then a man named Jairus, a synagogue leader, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come to his house, because his only daughter, a girl of about 12, was dying. And as Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal her. She came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak, and immediately her bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked. When they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing against you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me. I know that the power has gone out from me. Then the woman, seeing that she could no longer go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet. In the presence of all the people, she told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. Then he said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. It's a beautiful, beautiful story. And today, for the next few moments, we're going to dissect this passage together. So we start this story with Jesus returning from another trip. And immediately, Jairus, a synagogue leader whose daughter was so ill, he knew that she was dying, approached him and says, Jesus, can you come heal her? Please come heal her. She's my only daughter. Will you come? And Jesus accepted. You see, at this point, Jesus had quite the reputation for the miracles he was performing. So people knew who Jesus was, and they kind of knew that miracles, healing, and teachings were his thing, and they were excited. So it's only natural that as Jesus was going through crowds, big crowds would begin to form. Now, I'm not sure about you guys and how you feel about crowds, but I am not a big fan of crowds. Like, I will avoid the mall on Black Friday. Like, I am not a Black Friday shopper. I love the Kalamazoo Farmer's Market. My mom and I often go on Saturday mornings, but if you uh, were to observe me in the far Farmer's Market, what you'll see is me with Junie's stroller, like dodging in and out of traffic. Oftentimes, I leave my mom in the middle. I'm like, too many people. I just need to go get my like cucumbers and my tomatoes and get out of this crowd. Um, so clearly, I'm not enough like Jesus yet, but that's okay. I'm, I'm working on it. Um, but I can only imagine that the crowd that Jesus draws is way, 
bigger and way worse than the Kalamazoo farmer's market traffic on a Saturday morning. And so Jesus was walking through these crowds, and a woman reached out and touched him. She touched the edge of his garment. And I want to pause, and I want to talk about who this woman was. You see, this woman is described as being subject to bleeding for 12 years. Some translations say she had an issue of blood or hemorrhaging for 12 years. And I'm not trying to make anyone uncomfortable today about talking about her issue, but I want you to understand that this is a vital part of our story. You see, the woman's condition dictated her place in society. You see, back in Bible times, Women were cast out of their homes, the common places, the temples, and the synagogues. Really, anywhere that they could interact with someone, they were cast out while they were bleeding, whether that was menstrual bleeding or bleeding for another purpose. You see, they were deemed ceremonially unclean, and they were not allowed to participate until their bleeding had stopped, and they waited an additional seven days And then it was only after the additional seven days would they then take two doves or two pigeons, whatever they could afford, and take it to the temple and offer one as a sin offering and the other as a burnt offering. These laws were intense, and I'm not just making them up, and I'm not pulling them from some old text. I'm pulling it from the Bible. So if you're interested to read the intensity of these laws, you can turn back to Leviticus 15, 19 through 33, and it will detail out all that the woman, women had to go through while they were bleeding. And then what's unique, too, is that it wasn't just the woman that had to follow these rules. It was anyone that interacted with her. So her husband, her children, anyone who came into contact with her would then have to follow rules to become ceremonially clean, um, which often led to the women being pushed out and avoided while they were bleeding. So if you think about this, this woman was bleeding, not just for a little bit, not for you know, days, this was months and months that added up to 12 years of her life that she was outcast from society. So it's safe to say and accurate to infer that she was an outcast. She was isolated from her community and anyone who interacted with her was subject to being unclean. And at the time, that was horrible. That was probably one of the worst things that you could be was unclean because then you were no longer allowed to go into the synagogues and the temples. You weren't allowed to do things until you became clean through sacrifices. And so, for most people, interacting with this woman wasn't worth the risk. People would overlook her, ignore her, because she wasn't worth their time. Now, you may be wondering why I'm hitting so hard on this woman's condition, and it's because I want you to really truly understand that this woman was isolated and she was alone. They knew all those around her knew her status and they knew her condition, so she was isolated and unclean. I don't know about you, but that's not a reputation that I would want to have. So I can only imagine what was going on in her life, in her heart, 
that day, hearing that Jesus was coming through town. She knew his reputation. She knew he was a healer, a magnificent teacher. And my guess is at this point in his ministry, she knew that Jesus was her only hope. Now, the text doesn't say this, but I can infer her excitement, the desperation that she probably had because of her isolated status in life. I bet her desire to be clean was so great. She was willing to risk everything to have an encounter with Jesus. You see, this woman was so desperate that she defied the laws of the time. She knew that by physically touching Jesus, she would make him unclean. But on the other side, she had this faith and she had this hope in his ability to heal her that she didn't want to miss this opportunity. And so I imagine that's why she decided to enter into the crowd of people And I bet she thought, maybe if I could just get close enough where people don't recognize me, I imagine she already felt like she was unrecognizable. But she thought, if I could just get close enough and touch him, maybe people won't notice me. And maybe I will receive my healing and Jesus can go on and I won't dirty him. That's what I like to think that she was thinking, if I could get close enough to touch him, maybe, just maybe, I will become clean. And so the crowd starts forming, and Jesus was on his way, passing through to Jairus' daughter. And when the crowds were so large, that's when I like to imagine that the woman in our story reached out. She seized her opportunity when there were so many people desperate for healing, longing to no longer be isolated or in an outcast of society, but still wanting Jesus to remain clean. She reached out and she touched him. You know what? She was healed instantly. And can you imagine that moment? Can you imagine being that woman, the relief that she must have felt? In a simple touch, her life was going to change drastically. The first time in over 12 years, she was just days away from interacting with her family and with her friends and seeing people. She could go to the temple. She could worship. Her life was on the cusp of being forever changed. And then Jesus asked the question that is our focus today, who touched me? You see, what I love about Jesus' question, um, and as you guys have probably learned in this series that we're doing, is Jesus often asks questions that he didn't really need the answer to. So we're going to talk a little bit about why Jesus asked this. Um, but first, my, one of the observations that I notice about this is Jesus asks this question, and his disciples start playing like a little game of like, it wasn't me. John, did you accidentally touch him? Luke, was that you? And Peter's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. He says, Jesus, it wasn't any of us. Like, we didn't touch you. But also, like, dude, look around. Have you seen the crowd? Like, there are a lot of people here. It was probably an accident. And that's when Jesus tells them, no, someone intentionally touched me. 
and I felt power leave from me. And now I want to shift our attention back to the woman in our story. I can only imagine that she went from feeling insane relief and excitement for all that her life could be. And hearing Jesus ask, who touched me? I imagine that she started to feel a little bit of like impending doom, right? Overwhelmed because she knew what she did was not correct. And now she had to come forward and reveal herself. What would they do to her? And what would they do to Jesus? Surely she would be cast out, but what would they do with this man who instantly healed her? But as we read in the text, she was so overcome, so she stepped out. She stepped at Jesus' feet, laid at them, and she revealed herself to Jesus, to his disciples, and to the crowd of people. And again, I I like to imagine that in desperation, she explained why she touched him. Jesus, if you would only understand, I've been sick for 12 years. I've been cast out. I've been isolated. I've been alone for 12 whole years. But most importantly, when I touched you, you healed me. You healed me. And then Jesus turns towards her and says what is only said directly to a woman three other times in Scripture. And he addresses her as daughter. And he says, daughter, your faith has made you well. Just think about that for a moment. The feelings that she must have felt having to, you know, be outcast and isolated from society, so desperate for healing, touching, knowing that what she did was wrong, but yet she was healed and it was so right. And taking that moment and laying at Jesus' feet and confessing it all, expecting, you know, to be cast out, maybe to be chastised by Jesus. And what he says to her is simply, daughter, Your faith has healed you. Now, this is an amazing story. I truly have grown to love this story as I've studied it. And being a woman in the church, it's one that I was well acquainted with. Uh, Just growing up, I always liked to read the stories about women, you know. Um, But as I was beginning to study for this, I realized that I had always misremembered this story. Growing up, hearing it, and even reading it, I remembered it incorrectly. I read it as it took the woman identifying herself to Jesus to receive her healing. But after closer reading and examination, and what I'm hoping that you guys caught today is that her healing was not dependent on her identifying herself to Jesus. She was healed The moment she touched the hem of his garment. And so now we ask ourselves the question that Jesus, or we ask ourselves, why did Jesus ask, who touched me? You see, this miracle is pretty early in the book of Luke. But before this miracle, there are several others. 
And an instance just a few chapters earlier in Luke 5, a paralyzed man was lowered by his friends to be healed by Jesus. And as he was lowered and Jesus healed the man, he told the man that his sins were forgiven. And this is important because the Pharisees, the religious leaders of that time that were present during this miracle that took place with the paralyzed man, began to question, saying, who is this man that says he can forgive sins? That wasn't the way of that time. And Jesus responded to them in Luke 5.22, saying, Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, why are you thinking these things in your heart? And I bring up this other story in this passage because this is important to our story to know that Jesus didn't have odd powers that grew more and more each day, right? So if we just take um, this story from just a few chapters before and look at it, Jesus knew the man, he knew his sins, and he forgave the sins, and he healed the man. So I believe that it is accurate to say that when this woman was touched by Jesus, he already knew who she was. She didn't have to say why she touched him. She didn't have to fall and tremble before him in fear of what was going to happen because Jesus already knew who she was. He knew her story, and he, was, he, he had healed her already. So again, we ask, why did Jesus ask who touched me? I believe that Jesus asked this question for his disciples and the crowd of people to look at this woman. I believe that Jesus wanted his followers and the people around to look at this woman who had been so isolated and outcast from society. He wanted them to give her the time of day. Jesus wanted people to see her. He wanted them to acknowledge her, not because she was now healed and it was kind of okay with the laws of the time, but even in the state of her being unclean, she was wholly loved by God. Jesus often used his questions not to receive the answers, but to get those around him to look and understand better the heart of God, his Father. So today, as I'm wrapping up, I told you that there would be a comfort provided from this passage. And the comfort that I feel like we can draw from today's passage is that Jesus sees us in our isolation and loneliness, and he meets us with unconditional love and affirmation of our place in his family. He calls us daughters, and he calls us sons. So maybe you find yourself in a place of feeling isolated or lonely or outcast today. Take comfort. Jesus sees you. He truly sees you. And he isn't waiting to call you beloved because you already are. So embrace that unconditional love 
that is the true character of God that while we're still in our mess and while we're still isolated and outcast and all of these things, he looks at us and he calls us daughter. And he looks at us and he calls us sons. And now comes the harder part of this passage, a challenge, a way in which this week we can become more like Christ. So the challenge is to take a moment and ponder those that we have isolated, that we have cast out because of their status and begin to love them like Jesus loved this woman unconditionally. You know, I feel like in our culture, in our time today, it's super common to cast people out of our lives, to cut people out for various reasons. Uh, there are tons of reasons that we do this from silly ones that are kind of a joke, but not really, right? To more serious ones, you know, some of the reasons might be because they have a different preferred sports team, right? They might have a super odd color in their hair. Uh, sometimes family feuds get in the way. There are grudges that we hold for years and years and years until we no longer remember why we don't really talk about that person or associate with that person. Um, but then there are the more serious ones like political affiliations that have divided friendships and family relationships and even sexual orientation. So we have become so divisive in our lives that we have ditched God's greatest commandment to love God and love others as ourselves. That commandment doesn't come with an asterisk at the end of it saying love God and love others as ourselves except for those who sin differently than I do, except for those whose life choices I don't agree with. That is not the commandment. The commandment is to love God and to love others as ourselves. And now I do want to be specific and say that as you're doing this, if you have a boundary in place in your life from someone for your health or safety, don't break that boundary. We are all for healthy boundaries here. But I would encourage you to begin to pray in all of these areas for those people that we cast out Begin to sit with the Lord and say, God, you know that I cast this person out or this group of people out of my life. You know that I have not loved them the way that you have loved me. So God, give me your heart for them. And you'll be amazed at what God will do and how your heart will shift. You see, because we want to daily become more like Jesus, and I truly do mean and believe that we are meant to see and love all of God's daughters and sons. And so from this text, we can see that yes, those include the people that we have cast out from society. Or we don't really do that in our lives today. We don't make people wait on the outside until they're clean but we do treat our lives and our personal lives like that society, and we have cast out people from our lives. And this time together today, 
may seem so simple, but friends, I can guarantee you that it's not easy to walk out this unconditional love. In our lives today, like the disciples and the crowd of people, we as Christians believe that we have obeyed the good laws and practices of this time, just like them. But what Jesus was pointing out to them is that by following these laws and forgetting to love, we have cast out these individuals. In the name of the law or being a good Christian, we have isolated people and disassociated ourselves from people and people groups that in God's eyes are equal to us. They are daughters and they are sons. And we have forgotten to love. And to sit with Jesus and identify these areas and these people, because it's not just areas, it is specific people and people groups. To sit with Jesus and identify and realize in the ways that we have come up short, it hurts. It hurts. But that is where the comfort of this passage comes back in. And you have to remember that you are holy and unconditionally loved by God and that you are his daughter and you are his son. And as we daily wake up and choose to follow Jesus and choose to do the harder things in life, that he is with us in that. And there's abundant grace. You see, because we need to accept this comfort Yes, for us. And the harder part, though, is that we need to extend this comfort to all of those who have been cast out. For as much as it is true that we are unconditionally and wholly loved by God, it was true for the woman in our story. And it's true for your neighbor or your family member or your enemy or your nemesis or the people that you don't even give the time of day to. That unconditional love is there for them too. Will you guys pray with me? God, we thank you for the woman in this story. We thank you for her story, a story that communicates your unconditional love for people and Lord, may we rest in the comfort of your unconditional love. And Lord, help us to extend that unconditional love to individuals and people groups in our lives that we have isolated or that we have cast out for various reasons. Begin to soften our hearts towards these people. And give us your heart for them that we may become more like you each and every day. Let us lay our eyes on those who we have cast aside so that when you ask, who touched me, we can see them and we can acknowledge them for who they are, your child, your daughter, or your son. God, it's in your holy and precious name that we pray, amen.